Those who sowed with tears will reap with songs of joy. Those who go out weeping, carrying the seed, will come again with joy, shouldering their sheaves. I speak in the name of God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Take a breath. Get your bearings. Here we are, week three, halfway through our Advent pilgrimage. Halfway through this season that if you blink, you just might miss. Last week, Mother Suzanne introduced to us that old pattern for the four Sundays of Advent, the four last things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell. In this way of organizing the four Sundays of Advent, week three is like coming up for air, heaven, finally. The candle is pink, the lessons are about joy, if life were normal and we were in the church for mass this morning, the choir would be singing the great Advent three introit, Gaudete, rejoice. But maybe because we're not in the church this morning and the choir is not singing, maybe because of the year we've had, or maybe just because it's so hard for us to think of a really good thing without considering its opposite. As I began to ponder heaven last week, my mind was drawn also to hell. As I tried to remain focused on the third last thing, I couldn't help but drift into the fourth. If Christians of a certain stripe maybe us, don't really like to talk about heaven that much, well, we'd like to talk about hell even less. And there may be good reasons for this. We are justifiably hesitant to speak in great detail about our future, about the life hereafter, the things to come. Those who make careers out of predicting and depicting our eternal futures often manage to make fools of themselves while also inflicting great spiritual harm on others. And yet, the future, the life hereafter, the things to come, this is what Advent is all about, in part, preparing for the future judgment of God by remembering his first coming among us in Jesus. And in this way, Advent really should strike us as a familiar, even relevant season for those four last things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell, are a more regular part of our lives than we're comfortable admitting. Mother Suzanne brought this home poignantly last week with judgment. 
and death, I think, we know all too intimately this year. Heaven and hell, too, though we may talk of them like distant realities, we know deep down are so close, perhaps too close for comfort. This year has been hell for a great many people. And I heard its sound on the radio last week in the recorded cries of an 18-month-old in Turkey, struggling to breathe as her body tried to fight off the coronavirus. I heard hell stake its banner into our soil as the reporter grimly informed us that the child later died. If the existence of hell seems so incompatible with the God of love, as we sometimes say to ourselves, if some future state of suffering and separation from God seems inconceivable, well, friends, I'm sorry, but we need only open our eyes and our ears to the present state of this world to see how threadbare that line of thinking can be. Yes, the world is fundamentally good, declared so by the God of love who created it in love. And yet, we need only flip on the radio or open the newspaper or take a walk down the block to see that something has gone horribly wrong. There can be no denying the invasion of hell and all its relatives, death, evil, sin, suffering, into this beautiful, good earth. We cannot deny this, not now. And if we mostly comfortable, well-off people once could, not anymore. We can try. We can buy lots of things. We can do up our homes for the holidays. We can refuse to read the news. We can shut our ears to the cries of the suffering, retreat behind our wintered lawns, into the warmth of our rooms. We can choose to believe that there is no hell. But friends, let us beware. In doing so, I'm afraid, we will only end up colluding with the very evil that seeks to destroy us. In our rush to deny hell's existence, we become its very servants. We perpetuate white supremacy by pretending to live in a post-racial society. We stall common solutions to the climate crisis by pretending that it's not already here. We keep our neighbors locked away in prisons and jails 
and we keep our consciences clean by pretending that we have nothing to do with the fact that they are there. All the while the invader stalks, like a prowling lion in St. Peter's words. And the dark night of hell descends on this earth like a winter sunset. And there are no stars and no moon, no light to see by, just dark and cold. It's here, now, at this point, at the midnight of our cold world that the gospel gives us a word. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And suddenly, like a match struck in the darkness, we can see a light. He came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. And next, in that dim light, we see a shape. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. That shape grows clearer and suddenly we see it. Into this captive creation, this midnight darkness in the face of our own collusion with hell and its powers, another stake is planted into the soil, another banner unfurled. I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord. In our darkest hour, a man named John appears and tells us like he tells those crowds in Bethany. Among you stands one whom you do not know, the one who is coming after me. In our darkest hour, a man named John appears and testifies to the light testifies that the night won't last forever, and that in fact, it's almost over. The day is on its way. Heaven is on its way. And just as our daily life in this world taught us that hell is not just a far off concept, but a present reality, suddenly the good news of Jesus Christ the one whom this John proclaimed, shows us that so too heaven is here, already with us. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Its king has arrived here in our hell, snapping hell's standard and planting its own in its place. A child is born, a child who grows into a man, who heals the sick, 
forgives sins, includes the outcast, in short, who breaks every chain that hell has wrapped around the earth and its good people. A child is born, a child who grows into a man, a man who bears the brunt of hell's force in his body on the cross, a man whom hell is no match for, who though he dies, cannot stay in the tomb, a man who rises to new life and who takes us by the hand and lifts us out of hell with him. And then who leaves us not in darkness, but in Advent, in the in-between time, at the break of day, where we still see the dark, but where we also see the coming light. It was also on the radio that I heard the sound of heaven last week. In the voice of an elderly woman in the United Kingdom who had just received the first COVID vaccine in that country. Heaven staking its banner into our soil in the healthy sound of her voice in the relief and hope in the voice of the reporter. Just a voice like John testifying to the light. Take a look at your Advent wreath. There's now more light on it than darkness. The candle is pink like the dawn. He's almost here. <laughs>